Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter. Morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the show. This morning, I'm looking forward to introducing you to two very, very special people and talk about the amazing work that they're doing helping out refugees. I'll be joined by Anne Robinson and Anna Karanikola. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And again, good morning. This morning, I've got a little surprise for you. But um, in the meantime, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my guests. Um, this morning, I have the wonderful Anne Robinson back with me. Um, Anne is based in Santander in Spain, where she currently writes print and digital materials. Um, she's the author of several books published by Cambridge University Press, Fun for Starters, Movers and Flyers, Fun Skills, Level 3 and Level 5, and Exam Booster for Advanced. She regularly gives webinars, teach training courses and masterclasses to candidates for the Cambridge exams. She recently founded Bracelets and Peace with Anna Duchenko and is working very hard fundraising and teaching when she can, can to do as much to help people from and in Ukraine. Anna Karen Nicola is based in Leros in Greece and I actually had the pleasure of meeting her face-to-face uh, -face, um, this summer on her wonderful island. Um, it's an island that probably made world news for a terribly sad reason. Um, the image of, of baby Ilan haunts me to this day um, in 2015 uh, we woke up to um, a, a very, very sad image. Um, Leros is, in fact, a very, very beautiful place, and it's full of very, very kind and loving people. Um, Anna is there. She's an English and kindergarten teacher and has been teaching for 30 years. She owns and runs a private school on the island. And since 2015, she's been a volunteer in the refugee crisis. And in 2016, her school opened its doors and arms to refugee children, one of the first schools in Greece to do so. She's worked with UNHCR and various NGOs. So without further ado, I will let my guests into the show. And good morning, everyone. I have with me not two, but three incredible guests. So I'm really, really looking forward to the show. I have Anne Robinson with me, Anna Karanikola, um, and Anna Dushenko. Um, we are literally linking up Italy, Ukraine, Spain, and Greece. So it's quite an international morning. And Anna, it is such a lovely surprise to have you here, Anna Dushenko. It's always lovely to see you, Anna Karanigola, and it's lovely to see you, Anne. I'm going to 
I've also got an Anne, Anne, an Anne, Anna, and Anna. So that's just going to, we need to make it really clear <laughs> who's speaking. Um, Anna, I know you're running off to teach. So I'd like to ask you a couple of questions first. Um, obviously, with Anne, you, you both founded Bracelets and Peace. Um, how did this begin? Well, it all happened at the beginning of the war when Anne contacted me and asked me how she could help. Uh, she showed me the picture of a bracelet she had bought in Kyiv when she was visiting Ukraine. And she asked how would we able to use that. We got the idea to start making bracelets in order to keep people busy here in Ukraine to um, to distract them from bad thoughts and to be able to give those little bracelets like the sign of peace to very dear and close people to us. And it's quite therapeutic in a sense, yeah. It was therapeutic and to tell the truth, this is what helped me to save myself because I've been making those bracelets all night long. That was the only thing I could do at the beginning of the work. And then Anne suggested making those bracelets abroad and selling them in order to raise money for charity. It's been an absolutely wonderful initiative, really. Um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to support? What can we do to help you? Uh, well, every person can do a little bit, every bit to help. And it is really important to feel the support of the whole world. This is the first thing we need to understand that people are standing with us. And uh, of course, if the person wants to join our initiatives, we help a lot of refugees. Uh, we help them with clothes. We'll, we help them with food. We help also our soldiers. And uh, currently we are trying to arrange the basement in our school to turn it into a shelter which would be a cozy place for our students to stay in during the ear sirens. My goodness. Um, for me, it's just such a, um, the way you kind of talk about it, it's like, it's, oh, it's just, um, we'll have a cozy place to, to go. Um, how is it living there? How, how is sort of day-to-day -day life? Well, we got used to it. We can't say that we do pay attention to the air siren. At school, we have to go to the shelter. And we luckily started studying face-to-face uh, -face at school yesterday. Yesterday was the first day at school, and we are so excited and so happy to see our students. Luckily, we didn't have any air sirens for two days already, and we are praying not to have them. But step-by-step, uh, step, step, we are trying to turn the basement into really a cozy place because we do understand it. It can't be that cozy, but at least children um, might not feel so frustrated while staying there. They can do a lot of activities thanks to the stuff we brought there. We have already bought a lot, but we have bought a lot of stuff already and I'm sure it will be a nice place. Thanks to and and all the people who have joined us. 
Wonderful. Yes, we've had um, Jane um, right from the start. People have been amazing. Teachers, language academies, schools have been making bracelets. Uh, just like Anna said, some very often to give maybe to friends and family, but also um, they've sold them um, and helped us to to send things and also to help people or here in Spain, for example, local refugees as well when they they've arrived and they've been needing things. Um, and yeah, the basement. Um, so I visited Anna's school in Venezia uh, in 2019, almost three years ago to the date, in fact. Um, and it's a beautiful school uh, that didn't used to be so beautiful, um, I'm told. Um, and uh, we hope it'll survive, certainly. But one of the main problems was they couldn't go back to face-to-face -face lessons because in the case of you know danger and air siren, uh, there was nowhere to take uh, the kids um, to shelter during that time. So um, Anna and Olina and the rest of the team at the school have really uh, thought about you know how to what they needed, how they could make the basement um, more more welcoming, cozier, as Anna said. Um, and so we've helped to buy flooring, um, those kind of martial arts tiles that you put together. Um, bean bags, which bean arrived bags. on Friday, <laughs> massive <laughs> bean bags, <laughs> um, and also blankets. Yeah, so we've sent already twenty blankets. I've got ten blankets arriving any day this week, and they'll go again. Um, and also some magic, one or two magic capes. <laughs> that you might see Anna <laughs> modeling at one one time hope, hopefully <laughs> for, for the listeners who um who perhaps don't know a lot about bracelets and peace um could you just tell us how it um it covers people in Ukraine but also people um who are living in obviously not by choice uh, as refugees in other countries could you just tell us a little bit more about that yes well um we've we've managed to uh, kind of link up um quite a few students uh, for example in portugal with uh, anna's school so we had um loads of portuguese uh, hands and bracelets made finally made their way across to venezia um to be shared with the the kids there uh, the original idea apart from as anna said you know taking their mind off uh, bad things um, was also that um, there is so much talent in schools and in Venezia, there are, there's a lot of talent. So the project kicked off by students from the school actually sharing tutorials, sharing their own bracelets and teaching us how to make the traditional uh, Ukrainian bracelets. Um, so we've had students around the world um, making bracelets, following those instructions, also sharing their creations, different creations. Um, we're just about to share two new bracelet creations that we've, I've been sent um, and they, they'll be on. We've got a YouTube channel with videos, with tutorials, and we've also got the, um, the explanations, the instructions on the website too. Um, in Portugal, I had a lot of interest. We raised a lot of money at Knightsbridge uh, Teacher Training Conference in September, um, and uh, a lot of the teachers there are going to do uh, the project to be involved in the project in Portugal too. So um, yeah, so the best thing is to head to the head to the website or look us up on Facebook, 
or uh, YouTube. Yeah, we've got all of those. We've also got Instagram. Um, and you can find out what we're up to and, and by all means, you know, send us an email, send us a message and find out, you know, more. We, we're, we're very willing to do that and we do get a lot of people asking us um, how they can help. Are there any resources or advice that have really helped you on this journey? No, I think we've learned as we've gone along, Anna, I think you'd, you'd I feel as though I've learned as long as I've gone. I've done it with all my heart and all my goodwill. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, I think I've had a lot of help from a lot of people, amazing responses from a lot of people. Um, going along to a new group, taking a box of ribbons is a wonderful icebreaker. Um, and that's I've I've done on uh, several occasions and the response has been amazing. You had it very recently, didn't you, Anna? Same experience. Uh, yes, and I, I wanted just to add that Anne is so creative that every day she, she gives some more ideas. Uh, she is the box of ideas herself. Every day she invents something new and she creates a role model which inspires us. So we follow her here and try to do as much as we can. I think, yeah, I mean, I think I, I second you in that, having worked with Anne on um, on webinars, completely aside from the current um, from the situation that you're working in. But certainly creativity is the adjective that I would um, use to describe Anne. She's fantastic. I was going to ask you, Anne, what, what do you think your, your unique skill is? But I think we've kind of told you <laughs> what it is. I think that, and also I've said this before to Anna as well. I'm a I'm a I'm a great networker, <laughs> so I tend to to remember people that I think. Hmm, I wonder if, and I reach out to people, and and you get the response, and basically the network grows and grows, um, and and yeah, and I think uh, I get inspiration from that as well when people react. Um, like, for example, in this situation. Um, Sometimes people will say to me, uh, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And I'm not talking about people in Ukraine or Ukrainians. I'm talking about people here even because um, they haven't got maybe the time uh, or they don't know how to do these things. So you actually get thanked for doing them as if they're do you're helping them as well to feel better. Certainly. Um, I'm... I know for you, Anna, there's a lot, there are a lot of unhappy memories. Um, but what are your um what are you, what's your favorite memory working through the current situation that you're working in? The most important thing that we get while making the bracelets is the people's smile, especially the kids' smiles. We have arranged a lot of workshops for kids. Uh, and for the refugees and uh, when while we were making those bracelets I was watching them and uh, I was so happy to see there's them smiling probably that was the first smile for them within a long period of time so this is the moment I remember well thank you and Anne um, I think it's when I open my phone and see that I've got a message and it's a, especially a photograph 
and I suddenly see that somebody's made a bracelet, which is what I one of the things that kick-started this project was that Anna actually <laughs> made a bracelet one, one, one night in the beginning of March, wasn't it? Um, and we were talking about bracelets and she suddenly sent me a photo and I went, have you just made that? She said, yeah, it's the first time I haven't thought about what's going on out there. Um, and yeah, so when I got the photos of the Portuguese hands or, or when you see, uh, yeah, you get a message from somebody who's been making them with the kids and you see the kids' faces and how proud they are. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's those moments where you suddenly get this update, this news, this, you know, thing that somebody's been doing. In Greece, um, one of the teachers uh, had bracelets at a marathon that they were, they'd organized. You know, and you get these messages and say, you know, we're, we're thinking of doing this or we've done this and that's just, wow. This is this is all worth it <laughs> it wasn't planned or programmed it's just something that has grown organically through a shared a shared interest it's amazing yes at first people treated it like just a bracelet a bracelet what is a bracelet it's nothing but it turned out to be a very big deal actually we managed to help a lot of people that's just incredible isn't it amazing feat um for those of you anna who, who don't know you can you just could you just tell our listeners a little bit about you you have a language school and um you teach <laughs> tell us a little bit more about you actually i work at a state primary school i work as a teacher of english and as a vice principal uh, our students are highly motivated. They adore English and they are really, really bright. And, and they're, they're first to fourth of primary, yes, Anna? Yes, we are primary school. And this is a kind of unique school. We don't have the same schools in Vinica. We have one more primary school, but mm -hmm. our specialized in foreign languages and uh, we were lucky to meet Anne Robinson at our school at the conference organized in our school and she was presenting brilliant ideas which she always has in her head so this is how we met <laughs> and Anne you've been teaching as well online uh -huh. yes is that with Anna's school um Partly with Anna's school, a lot of lots of Anna's students joined, especially during the summer. Um, but no, it was with um, a Ukrainian organisation mm. um, that work a lot with the Ukrainian ministry, um, and we had lots of students both in Ukraine and also uh, students who were refugees abroad, either temporarily or you know, very temporarily during the summer, um, or or that they've moved there, you know, while. And, and everything is going on <laughs> and i'm conscious i know you have to go and teach so when you do just please give us a sign i really don't want to to hold you <laughs> hold you up or 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 yeah. that you miss your class um it's been just incredible that you've um, yeah. I'm, I'm i can see you in your car <laughs> well i know yeah. you're in your car um and you've stopped to talk to us it's just um really it was a great honor for me to be present here and to meet you here. Thank you very much for your attention and for all your kind hearts. Thank you. And I hope for peace. I know we, we've had, we have bracelets, but I pray for peace and, uh, and resolution for you and your children.
Thank you, Anna. Um, it's we've sort of come to a slight pause in the conversation, and I think it might be a good idea just to take a few minutes um, and go to the news and we'll be right back afterwards to continue the conversation with Anne Robinson and Anna Karikanola. Karen Nicola, my goodness me, I will get it right. I get it right. It's just my head that muddles it up. I know it's Nicola. <laughs> I know the island, everything. Um, okay, um, let's take a, a break and we'll be right back after the news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. With the World Cup due to begin, TES magazine reveals why some schools won't be screening games during school time. The competition held in Qatar is the subject of much concern from some school leaders worried about the ethics of showing games held in a country with a poor record when it comes to human rights. England play one game against Iran during school hours, but whilst many school leaders have chosen to show significant games in the past, some are choosing not to do so this time. FIFA's choice to host the tournament in Qatar has been controversial from the outset because of the country's laws on homosexuality and its treatment of migrant workers. Some heads have said that showing the game would be at odds with lessons on diversity and equality. Not all leaders share the same view and some schools will show the game but will have what is described as age-appropriate discussions about the ethics of the tournament alongside. Decisions of this nature are always left to individual school leaders and, as debate about the tournament continues, the only real certainty is that this World Cup will be remembered for its controversial hosts, if nothing else. The last week has seen many schools participate in activities to mark Anti-Bullying Week. To further acknowledge the impact bullying can have on young people and their families, the Government's Education Hub has published an article laying out what they're doing to help combat bullying in education. This support has largely been in the form of government grants to fund projects and organisations who do important anti-bullying work. This has included further funding for the Diana Award, a recognised anti-bullying programme, the Anti-Bullying Alliance, 
a new programme to prevent and tackle bullying through quality RSHE education, the Anne Frank Trust to continue the different but the same project, diversity role models, developing intervention materials for schools and equality to support multi-academy trusts or local authorities to create change. Full details of all the projects and the funding can be found on the .gov UK website, as well as in the Preventing and Tackling Bullying Guidance. The Scottish Government will launch an online national discussion on Scottish education the week beginning the 21st of November. Children, young people, parents, carers and teachers are being encouraged to take part by registering for events. Those who register will be able to talk directly to the independent facilitators, Professor Alma Harris and Professor Carol Campbell. The discussion was first launched in September, but in order to ensure as full a discussion as possible, the online events have also been launched. So far, the discussion has received 3,500 responses and feedback will be open until the 5th of December. The Schools and Academy Show 2022 saw the Chair of Ofqual, Ian Buckham, discuss plans for exams and grading for 2023, as well as considering the future of exams, assessment and the use of technology. In his speech, he made it clear that exams and other formal assessments that are like exams give students the fairest chance to show what they know and what they can do. He cited feedback from students, parents and teachers, which he said was overwhelmingly positive, particularly about the return to normal exams in 2022 after the difficulties of the pandemic. Whilst exams in 2023 will see a return to pre-pandemic grading, safeguards will be put in place to ensure no pupil is disadvantaged. This will be the same as those put in place for the 2017 series when pupils sat the reformed GCSE and A-level qualifications for the first time. He went on to speak about the impact of digital tech and described it as when, not if, there would be a greater use of it in high stakes exams. He did, however, acknowledge that a move to greater digital assessment can only come about through joint working across a range of partners and stakeholders, so as not to experiment with young people's futures. A full transcript of the speech can be found on the DfE website. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at smartwatches. For those of you that don't know what a smartwatch is, it's basically a watch that has the ability to connect to your phone, enhancing the experience of the owner's smartphone by delivering notifications and controls via an interface, which shows more discreetly and allows the user to decide whether they need to get their phone out or not. This is a real bonus for teachers, as a lot of schools have no phones policies, making it difficult to be contacted during the day. Some smartwatches also can stand alone without the need for a short-range phone connection as they've got built-in cellular or Wi-Fi capability, extending the range of connection, allowing the phone to be left at home. Although this can be useful, you need to bear in mind that there are additional costs for this and answering calls makes you look like you're on an episode of Star Trek talking to your wrist unless you have headphones and replying to texts can be tricky using the watch interface. That being said, one of the most powerful features of smartwatches is the ability to use contactless payment with them real-time saver and also peace of mind. A downside of contactless payment using smart devices is some payment machines 
In particular, parking meters only accept cards. This needs to be kept in mind when traveling around. So, what is the best? Well, that depends on the phone you currently have. It isn't really about the best, it's about compatibility. If you want an Apple Watch, you need to have an Apple phone. Android allows more options and also can be considerably cheaper. You need to ask yourself a few questions to decide what's best for you. Here are the questions I'd ask when considering a smartwatch. What do I want it for? If it's to see notifications from my phone, could an activity tracker be what I'm after? Compatible with all mobile phone platforms, there is a reduced control interface, but for around £50, alongside tracking your activity, you can see notifications without the need to get your phone out. What is the battery life like? Will it last until you get home to charge it? What's the display like? Will you be able to see it at a glance? What if you get messaged while pointing at a pupil's work? Will they see it? Can notifications be adjusted so you are not accidentally sharing? Is it noisy? Can you silence it? Can you switch it to vibrate? And finally, some phone contracts allow you to add on extra devices. Will it be cheaper to do it that way or to buy it outright? As always, I'd love to hear your favourite teaching tech. Do you wear a smartwatch? Let us know at TTR 2022. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, and welcome back. Um, we, we lost Anna, her... Um, her, her internet just dropped and you said you just received a message from her um, and you were talking a little bit about her school. Um, can you just tell us a little bit more about it? Sounds fascinating. Uh, yes, well, the school, apparently the building was originally a secondary school um, and then it changed over. There was sort of kind of a redistribution of the student population um, nine years ago, I believe. Um, so it then became a primary school mm -hmm. um, it was very dilapidated and they've gradually um done up uh, all the classrooms they've all got different themes they they take a lot of time before they start any work and um, so you walk around i mean anna's room has got like a phone box in it it's all sort of incorporated into the furniture as well it's all very practical um and okay. so so yeah i mean it's, it's amazing um, and they had a basement, which was obviously, you know, like most most places, the basement is the storeroom. Um, and it was very dilapidated, very cold. So um, the Venetia authorities have actually put in a second uh, entrance or exit mm. and uh, done some basic work, but there was no money for the contents. Um, so that's where we've been helping uh, through Bright Studs and Peace. Um, as I said, we've managed to send quite a few things uh, to, to Venezia. Um, and it's a shelter not just for the school, it's for the area. It is, it is. I mean, there's in, in that area, you know, the, the I mean, where Anna lives, for example, there is no shelter. So um, when the siren goes, a lot of people have stopped going downstairs or wherever because they haven't got a shelter to shelter in so um it will be you know both for the students um it can take 400 people um and uh, and also for the local residents um i mean anna's school's actually got 746 students i think it is or up or down from that number um 100 about 140 of those are abroad and connect um online 
Mm -hmm. um, some students in Vinitsia don't won't physically go to school, but then they're hoping to get you know around 500 students back to school. Um, they may well have to do it in shifts because of the basement situation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and the, as Anna said, you know they they um, they are they specialise in foreign languages. Mm -hmm. um, so amazing for a primary school. I, we have another guest here. So we've gone from living in, in a war situation and how it obviously affects people. And Anna, Karen Nicola, you have had um, a, a very different journey, um, but a, um, um, and you've been on the receiving end of receiving um, refugees. Leros in Greece is um, famous. Um, for many things, but it was placed on the map quite, um, quite well in 2016. But I, I can't tell the story. Anna, could you just fill us in a little bit on, on your experience? So I'm, I'm going to start by uh, being a volunteer and then a teacher. Uh, when uh, the Syrian uh, refugee crisis started, Leros uh, is actually on the Turkish. Uh, border so we started receiving um refugees and they came in boats in dinghies so uh nothing was uh, said on the island uh, to receive these people so they were living in not not even in tents like they came wet and hungry and we had a lot of children so we the volunteers of the Lero solidarity network we just formed an informal network of helping these people like um i have none of my children's clothes left or any blankets because i had to give them away and uh, like i i was one of the many people that helped uh, these um vulnerable human beings like i cannot i i can't tell you what we have witnessed um i mean babies uh days old they came in wet with not even a diaper and um not not even a, a bottle of milk to drink like and we set up um this um uh this housing project uh the big and uh, with uh, lots of donations from uh, people living abroad uh, the vulnerable people, like the elderly and the women and the children, had a civilized shelter, a, a different kind of shelter, where they had um, comfortable beds, uh, meals. Um, the children had a playroom. This was all by, done by donations. And uh, then uh, we had lots of NGOs that came to the island, along with UNHCR. That is the United Nations um, that came to the island, and they set up not the hotspot yet. They set up a camp okay. uh, where the people, most of the, the borders were still open, like people could leave the island. They could go to the mainland and then go to Europe because that was where they actually wanted to go because they had a lot of relatives there um so what we did we organized hot meals like everybody would have a hot meal 
everybody on the island, like once we fed 1,500 people and everybody, yes, all the people on the island, the majority, not all, uh, they cooked every Sunday hot meals in order for people to feel at home. That was the important thing. But I must say um, what really shocked me when we were uh, serving those hot meals was that someone had to write on their hands a number so that person could not receive another portion. And that brought a, a pictures of the Holocaust. And I was thinking to myself, my God, where is humanity going? Like, why are we going back? Have we learned nothing from the past? And obviously, we have not learned anything because we can see what's happening in Ukraine. And like, it, it's, 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 it's horrible. It's horrible. What I have witnessed, like having to comfort parents that have seen their babies drown in front of them. Uh, I, I really want to shut out certain images because since 2015, not 1615, when the crisis started, I have been there on the front line. It has literally changed who I am. I'm not the same person as I used to be. I'm glad I'm not. Uh, things now, different things matter. Yeah. And um, solidarity for me, because it's not feeling sorry or, you know, having pity for another. No, solidarity. It's just showing your other fellow human being that, hey, I'm here for you. You can, you can actually rely on me. And I'm here to help. As I asked and Anna, what what's um what's that uh, one of your your happiest memories from the experience? Oh, I've got many many happy. Um, all the hugs mm. I've received. Uh, the children trying to teach me um, Arabic. Um, dancing uh, uh, at their parties and being part of their joyous moments. Um, I, um, I remember Najah. Najah is a Syrian woman who now lives happily in Germany with her two children and she's reunited with her husband. Uh, when she said goodbye, she's, she, she invited me uh, in her room and she took off her hijab and um she showed me her hair like that was one of i mean i was honored um sorry i have to sorry. goodness me yeah no it's a um it's 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 remarkable all the things that i have um i have witnessed it's and you, um you you welcomed syrian refugees into your school how did that work well, um, the UNHCR actually approached me and they said, uh, we are looking for, we're trying to set up a school. They, they actually wanted to deal with the uh, big amount of children. And they said, are you interested in having children at your school? And I said, yes, absolutely. 
you know, without second thought. And so um, the um, the big part where uh, the uh, the housing was, it's very close to my school. Like it's it's about um, a, a hundred meters away. And they said, great. So we got all the children, all the children. We had different uh, ages. Uh, we had them in groups. And of course, um, it was very difficult communicating at first, but a few of them could speak just a few words of English. And uh, so we just started communicating and, you know, body language, smile, a smile, a hug. Um, I mean, that's when you actually realize that, yeah, I'm a teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, happy moments. Happy moments. Oh, I wish I could just go back. What advice would you give someone wanting to support refugees? I know, I know Leros is now, it's, a, it's called a hotspot. Perhaps maybe we should define that a little bit better. What is a hotspot? A hotspot. Now, there's a new hotspot on the island. That means that it's actually um, how I see it. It's a concentration camp. It's a civilised concentration camp. Um, the people come in and they go into a sort of, a closed structure basically yes even though like uh they've got everything in there like they've got shops and they've got schools uh there's still barbed wire hmm. yes how, yes how long do they normally stay there for uh a court, i don't know uh, now um we've got a lot of people that are here from africa um but i don't know we're not allowed to go there we're not allowed like we can't uh, we can't give them any uh, clothes, although um, I, I, I hear that the administration is quite lenient, so they can go to Lera Solidarity Network and get clothes. This is all from donations like new clothes, new shoes, children's clothes, uh, buggies, you name it, they have it. And uh, I don't know what's happening with schools because we, I, I used to work for uh, uh, NGOs. I used to work at the Hub, which was um, a school that had English lessons, Greek lessons, French, German, film lessons. Uh, we had so many things going on there. And unfortunately, they closed down. They were forced to close down. So I don't know what's happening. Okay. I really don't know what's happening. And I mean, I know people are still arriving. At oh, yes. Point. Oh, yes. Most definitely. Yes. Every day, every day, every day. Anne. Yes. Um, you you obviously welcome and, and support people that are arriving, not only in Spain, but also in the UK. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, yes. Um, I mean, the, the in both well, the, the countries are working differently, as it were. Um, we had a lot more refugees arriving right from the start in Spain um, because uh, they don't need a visa to come come into the country. Um, there were people driving uh, to the Polish-Ukrainian border and bringing refugees back. So my first um, encounter, if you like, with uh, refugees here was. Um, I heard that there were um, about 20 uh, Ukrainian refugees quite near our golf club. Um, so I tried to find out about them. 
Um, and I was told, oh, maybe you should leave them alone because, you know, maybe they're a bit upset and they, you know, they might, I don't know, they might not react positively. I don't know. But anyway, I just decided I saw a couple of them outside the building where they were, which was an old uh, school. Um, and I and I thought I've got to go. So um, I prepared um, a box of ribbons. Um, and I basically turned up with them, um, was um, made very, very welcome. Um, and I still I'm very much in touch with uh, with these. They, they were actually from Georgia. They had moved to Ukraine um, and then there were a family of 17, various sisters, brother-in-laws and et cetera. Um, and they are now here in Cantabria in Spain. So I've helped them with paperwork. I've helped them with work. Uh, found employment for a couple of them um, and every time I go around uh, I get treated to wonderful food and of course um, as, as Anna was saying you know hugs and smiles and wonderful. In the UK um, when I was there in May I had a look on Facebook because um, I was wondering you know, who was doing anything and what was happening um, and I discovered this wonderful group, group called Sunderland for Ukraine. Um, and there's a Polish uh, lady called Katarzyna who was doing amazing things. Um, and uh, then I was back again in October. Again, the first time I went, I took a box of ribbons and, uh, and the reception was amazing. And um, people were just like so grateful for, for me doing that. You know, it just, it, for them, you know, as we were saying earlier, it was just such a, like a mindful moment. Um, so yeah, they're doing lots and lots of things. I was back in October and there are a lot more, a lot more Ukrainian refugees in the UK now um, because um, visas, visas are starting to come through. Um, there are some challenges. I'm not sure, uh, for example, uh, homes for U Ukrainians or, uh, or for Ukraine, um, they were given six months of um, allowance from the government to uh, sponsor these refugees. And obviously, the, we've been, you know, since February, uh, six months is up um, and past it. So there is a, the challenge of what is going to happen to them now. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the government will extend that help um but uh, you've got some amazing people in the uk welcoming welcoming these refugees into their homes or sponsoring them helping helping them to deal with the paperwork etc and basically everybody's just so grateful i think you know for everything that people are doing for them i quite often get messages private messages on facebook you know or little comments when you post something that you've done that seems quite insignificant and yet, you know, somebody will send you a message and you'll think, no, it's not so insignificant after all. Making a huge impact on, on people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I think to go through such a tragic situation and come out at the end and find someone, I mean, even if it's like Anna said, it's just comforting or, or just supporting even in a tiny little way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, the worst days, there have been some really bad days. Mm. Um, and I remember one day, I'm just trying to think what, what exactly it was, but there was something I was going, oh, it was the hands, it was the Portuguese hands, that's right. This mm. story of these Portuguese kids and their hands and the bracelets that they'd made. And um, I, I had it all ready to post on one of the worst days uh, in terms of missile strikes. Mm. Um, and, and I thought, oof, should I do this today? 
Um, and I decided to do it. And I'm so glad I did it because um, they needed some good news that day. Mm. They needed some, you know, something positive, um, especially on that day, because it was a, it was one of the worst days that they've had. Before we go, um, I thank you so much for joining me today, but we're nearly out of time. Um, what can we do to help? Where can we get in touch with both of you and, and how can we help? Well, um, you can get in touch with me on social media. I'm very active. So, <laughs> um, you know that. And I'm always willing to help. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, please feel free. I'll, I'll be more than happy to help. And tell us. Yeah. Yes, likewise. I mean, bracelets and peace. Uh, we have, as I said, mentioned before, we've got a website, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram. Um, or myself, I've got my Teaching Together website um, where I share ideas for teachers. I'm neglecting it a little at the moment, I must admit, because um, I'm, there's so much going on with bracelets. And, a, yeah, and that's a, a whole other radio program, <laughs> Teaching Together. Um, for those of you, you may have listened to Anne, the interview with Anne last year, early this year. Um, okay. But you can, you can always look that, listen back on, on TT Radio. And um, all of the links will be in the, the bio that accompanies the recording and the promo for this show. So you should be able to find it there or on the Teacher Talk Radio website. That's all we've got time for this morning. Um, we could keep going. Um, I just hope for some good news, some positive news and some some resolution and a way out of this. I know, as we both, we all sort of agree that we haven't really learned very much, but um, I do hope we will learn and grow. Um, and and just remember that you can make a difference by doing small yes, things. Small uh, they all add up. If we all do them, or a lot of people do them, then I think we can make a big difference. Exactly. Thank you. Lovely words to finish on. Thank you, everyone. And I'll see you at the same time next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.